on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. With the winter meetings officially underway, let's check in on the latest hot stove rumors of who the D-backs might be targeting and which NLS team could cause the biggest problems for the D-backs this free agency. You are locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to who? Always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CareerThomas24 for my personal account or look up Locked On Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. I've been hosting Locked on Dimeback since 2020, and I can't do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. Please continue to share it with all your friends, streaming on all podcasting platforms, and don't forget to hit subscribe to Locked on Dimebacks on YouTube. Now for today's show. I just realized I didn't update my background on YouTube. We will be talking about which NLS team could cause the biggest problems for the D-backs this free agency, which team in the NLS could be a dark horse this offseason. But before we get there, winter, winter meetings have officially started on Monday. All the GMs and executives are in Nashville. So let's talk about the latest rumors that we've seen already of who the D-backs might be linked to and who the D-backs might be interested in. Because from the first day, not really any major signings. Uh, The biggest news right now is if you heard a team saying that you met with Shohei Otani, saying those words are apparently a kiss of death. Apparently a kiss of death. Apparently saying you met with Otani is immediately going to eliminate you from the Otani sweepstakes. If you meet with Otani, if you've had discussions with with Otani, you better keep it under wraps because he does not want any leaks of what he's doing. And I respect that by Otani because Kawhi Leonard did that a few years ago. And when Magic Johnson went to the media, he was talking about how to great relationship with Kawhi and he's going to come to LA. I think that kind of, I think that did kind of ruin the momentum of Kawhi Leonard to the Lakers. So for Otani, if you want him, you better not say anything anything to the media about how you've been reporting with him, the discussions that you've had with him. So that has probably been the biggest news that we've seen so far, just teams who have been in or out on Shohei Otani so far this offseason. But in terms of actual free agent signings, uh, hasn't been any major transactions. We've seen guys like Eric Fede or whatever get signed, but nothing really major. But we have seen a whole bunch of potential rumors of who the D-backs might be interested in. So let's talk about those potential rumors. And if we like the names that we've heard brought up of who the D-backs might be targeting. The first name is Lucas Giolito. There's apparently a few teams on Lucas Giolito. He's one of the hotter names so far coming out of winter meetings. And Giolito, I wouldn't mind the D-backs adding him. I've talked a lot about Giolito on this podcast so far this offseason. A big red flag guy for me. I think I've said before to stay away from Giolito, but the thing is, I don't mind adding Giolito to the rotation 
It just depends the level of expectation you're going to have for Giolito. If you're bringing in Giolito to be your number two or number three starter, to be that mid-rotation starter in your rotation, uh, then I think I'm not pro Giolito, right? Entering the winter meetings, we said the number one priority for the D-backs was adding another starting pitcher, but they have to be good. They have to be quality. We said it didn't have to be Dylan Cease or Blake Snell, but an Erod, a Jordan Montgomery, someone on that Nathan Avaldi level who's like a mid-rotation guy that can be even better when they get to the postseason. Lucas Giolito has red flags written all over him with how he's played the last two seasons because you look at Lucas Giolito's stats, 2023, led the league in home runs with 41, 4.88 ERA, and that's actually lower than what it was in 2022 when he had a 4.9 ERA. So last two seasons, Nearly a five-year rate. Giolito's going the wrong direction in terms of what you want to see from his ERA. But if you're asking me, Giolito, to be the number two, number three starter for the D-backs, the numbers tell you I'm out on that scenario. But if you're telling me the D-backs are going to sign someone like Jordan Montgomery, and then they're signing Giolito to be the back-end starter, going in as your number four, number five starter in your rotation, then I'm in on Giolito. If the price tag is like 10 to 12 one-year deal. He's coming in to be a back-end starter for you. As a secondary starter, you already signed one starter. You signed Giolito as a second starter. Then I wouldn't mind that because I still think there's some upside with Giolito. He's 29. He's not too old. Look at his numbers from last year. On the season, he had a 488 ERA, but just with the Chicago White Sox, 379 ERA over 120 innings pitch, a 1.2 whip, which was a lot better than how he finished the season, uh, less walks, less home runs in Chicago, uh, still gave up a good amount of hits, but less hits than when he went to LA or Cleveland. Like I thought Lucas was starting to look like how he did back in 2021, back in 2020, but when he got to L.A., when he got to Cleveland, the same concerns showed themselves again with Giolito. So you do have to wonder if this is just the direction Giolito's going in now with his career. Uh, you don't want to see that. If he's already 29 years old, going in the decline, that would be pretty disappointing. But I still believe there's a little bit of rehabilitation there with Giolito. You get him with Brent Strom. Maybe getting out of Chicago, that terrible organization. They don't know what they're doing over there. Super dysfunctional. Bad vibes the last couple years. Get him in the building with the D-backs, the Lord's Guriel smile. You got Jerry, like, smiles galore in the D-backs. The vibes are good. Like, Tori Lovello is a player's manager. I have a lot of, you know, I, I push back against Tori Lovello when it comes to the X's and O's, but I don't think there's a manager that I would want to play for more than a Tori Lovello because he just seems to get his players' personalities. I love the fact that Tori Lovello wears his heart on his sleeve and how emotional he was during the postseason when the D-backs lost and how emotional he was when the D-backs were winning games and calling out different media personnel. Like, I would love go play. I would love to go play for a guy like Tori Lovello. I think he can bring some of the best parts out of you when he's putting you in a good situation. And so a guy like Giolito, maybe he needs to be just surrounded by good vibes. Once again, his first half numbers were pretty good when he was just with Chicago. They were pretty bad in the second half of the season. So it is a big question of which Giolito are you going to get? Are you going to get that first half Chicago White Sox Giolito? Are you going to get the 22 
Giolito with the with the Chicago White Sox when he was awful, or second half Giolito with Cleveland and LA when he was also terrible. You look at some of the pitches he throws, like the slider used to be one of his go-to devastating pitches. He had back in 2021 a 38% whiff percentage on that slider, and this past season, the whiff percentage went down to 34.5% on the slider, but you look at the stats against the slider, in 2021, a 173 average allowed. In 2023, a 236 average allowed on that slider. The slugging, 353 in, 20, in 2021. This past year, 438. So that slider, which was such an effective put-away pitch for him in 2021, it's just getting crushed a lot more this past season. And he just needs to work on not elevating balls, not allowing so much hard contact, and I think working with a guy like Brent Strom can really, hopefully, help out Giolito in that department. So if you're telling me he's getting signed as a, rehabil- a rehabilitation project for the back end of the rotation, then I'm in on the Giolito signing. But if he's the big signing for the rotation, then I'm out on Lucas Giolito. And the other potential pitcher that the D-backs were linked to was Seth Lugo, who I might eat, who I might like even better than Giolito. As a starter, I don't know, did become a full-time starter this past season with the Padres after not doing it since like really 2018 and a couple starts in 2020, but he's been basically a full-time reliever the past five seasons prior to 2023, and I kind of like that versatility from him, but just like Giolito, Seth Seth Lugo can't be the main signing that we're doing for the rotation. He has to be the secondary piece where you're like, Number five starter or potentially long reliever, good bullpen, uh, good bullpen guy, and high leverage situations like Seth Lugo could be that perfect like number five starter for you in the postseason. Maybe if someone gets hurt and you gotta go with a bullpen game, then Seth Lugo could be an actual starter for you in the postseason. Like I think there's a lot of versatility with Seth Lugo, considering he was a pretty good starter for the Padres this past season and was a good reliever with the Mets a few seasons prior. So I like the versatility of a Seth Lugo. Uh does get a decent amount of ground balls and keeps his walks down, which I like. But he's not a high-velocity guy. He's not going to get a lot of whiffs, and he's not going to get a lot of chases on his pitches. So in terms of strikeout stuff, that's not really Seth Lugo. He's more of a pitcher, old-school kind of guy, doesn't mind giving up a little contact. And those guys I don't typically love. But if he's being brought in as a reliever, I like it a little bit more. If he's brought in as a number five starter, I like it a little bit more. Secondary rotation piece, I'm okay with it. But if you're bringing in, if you're bringing in Lugo as the main addition to the rotation this offseason, if that's your big addition to the rotation, Seth Lugo, then I would be pretty disappointed, I think, with that news. Now we'll talk about two sluggers that the D-backs are potentially interested in and have been linked to these winter meetings. But before we get there, I first have to give you a quick message from Jace Medical because I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of life, but can we talk just for a minute about preparing for life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. This is scary. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if, 
you know, a significant other or one of my kids. I don't have any kids, but let's imagine I did. Imagine if they got sick while a supply chain issue kept them from the life-saving medication that they needed. Thankfully, we'll be okay because we got Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinuses, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician and your medications will be dispersed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to prepare than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Let's talk about two sluggers that the D-backs have been linked to this winter meeting so far. But if you like the show, please follow me on Twitter at CareerThomas24 for my personal account or look up Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. Now let's talk about two sluggers that the D-backs have been linked to these winter meetings. The first one is a man that we've talked about a lot on this podcast because He's very high on my list of D-backs targets that I would like them to go after. His name is J.D. Martinez. We already saw him with the D-backs. It was a while ago now, 2017, but in 62 games, 29 home runs, 302 average, 1,100 OPS. J.D. Martinez in his career has absolutely crushed it at Chase Field. He loves hitting there, and this is someone that just... He's an offensive machine, and he's been that way for a long time, and I don't know if J.D. Martinez is a Hall of Famer because he got his career started pretty late, around 26 is when he started to take off, so maybe that's not too late, but a career 287 average, 874 OPS, averages according to the 162-game average, 34 home runs and 107 RBIs per 162 games. J.D. Martinez is an absolute machine and he does it on both sides of the plate against righties as a right-handed bat three uh excuse me 270 average but 880 ops and against lefties 274 average 925 ops crushes righties lefties home and away 850 plus ops at home over 900 on the road it does not matter what ballpark J.D. Martinez is in his offense travels around the whole country, even leaving the country. You know J.D. Martinez is going to crush it in Toronto as well. One of my favorite stats when you look at J.D. Martinez, uh, baseball reference, number of outs in the inning, zero outs, solid numbers, one out, fine numbers, two outs in an inning, J.D. Martinez turns into the best player in the sport, 325 average, 1052 OPS, loves it when there's two outs on the board. Runners in scoring position, 325 average, 1025 OPS. We need someone that could come through in those clutch situations, someone that could come through with runners in scoring position, someone that could come through with two outs. 
There's so when, when you're a team that can score an abundance of runs with two outs, it's absolutely devastating to the opposition. And the D-backs this past season, this past season, were a pretty good team when scoring with two outs. And JD Martinez can help in that situation. Two outs and runners in scoring position. Martinez is batting 367 with a 1216 OPS. JD Martinez is an offensive machine. Against fastballs, 580 slugging. Against breaking balls, 599 slugging. Off speed is the only weakness, 432 slugging. It does not matter the kind of pitch you throw to JD Martinez. Does not matter the ballpark he's in. Does not matter the situation. Runners on, two outs. It does not matter. JD Martinez crushes in all scenarios. Yes, he can't play defense. I don't care. J.D. Martinez is someone that I would love to add to the D-backs as another bat, as the D.H. I would be even okay, like, if the D-backs signed J.D. Martinez and didn't even re-sign a left fielder, like, I would honestly be okay. I would much rather prefer J.D. Martinez over Lourdes Gurriel. I don't know if that's a hot take or a crazy take, but I think his offense is so good. I would much rather have, like, J.D. Martinez in the lineup with like Jake McCarthy in left field as opposed to Jake McCarthy and Lords Gurriel in the lineup. I just think the lineup is so much more dynamic if you have a J.D. Martinez in there. So he's high on my list of D-backs targets. And apparently he's high on the D-backs list as well. And then the last guy that the D-backs have been linked to so far these winter meetings is Justin Turner, who is someone that we've talked about all offseason, and we still want to bring him in. I mean, he's been old for a while now, but even the last three years, I mean, 2021, 150 games, over 800 OPS, 27 home runs. 2022, last season with the Dodgers, definitely saw a decline, 128 games, 13 home runs, 270 average, 788 OPS, so a little bit of a decline for Justin Turner, but then 2023, picked it up a little bit. 276 average, 800 OPS, 23 home runs. Justin Turner, it just, he's not the offensive machine that JD Martinez is, but he definitely is a professional hitter, going to give you quality at bats, good rate at getting on base, still got a good slugging, still got good power, age 38, 39. You do have to have a little bit of concern after seeing Evan Longoria this past year that maybe he could just fall off the, you know, fall off a cliff with his offensive production, right? But I still think Justin Turner has enough in the tank where if you sign him as a DH, you still feel pretty good. And if you do sign Justin Turner, I think you probably need a little bit of an insurance with like a Lords Guriel or Tommy Pham in left field. If you sign J.D. Martinez, I don't think you need that insurance. But with Justin Turner, I think there's a higher probability that he can just fall off a cliff next season at age 39. And so I love Justin Turner, but if you're like, yeah, we need to add some insurance, I get it because he crushed lefties last year, 900 OPS against lefties. Against righties, he wasn't bad, 70, 766 OPS against righties, but definitely someone that crushes against lefties way better than he does against righties. Slow down a little bit in the second half of the season as well, which is not a surprise for an older aging veteran. Probably hit a little bit of a fatigue wall throughout the season, especially in that Boston Red Sox lineup that definitely dealt with some injuries throughout the year. He probably had to carry more of a load in the beginning of the season, and it probably wore on him as the year went on. So Justin Turner, I think, could, you know, 
I think the D-backs lineup is probably more balanced than the Red Sox lineup, so they probably won't have to rely on him as much, which I think should help out Justin Turner a lot. And he's also someone super clutch, 338 average, 943 OPS with runners in scoring position. Absolutely love it. High leverage moments, 330 average, 885 OPS. J.D. Martinez and Justin Turner, two dudes who are super clutch. Of course, stats with runners in scoring position. Volatile can change from year to year. But with those two guys, you look at their career marks, they've always come through in the clutch. They've always been big RBI producers for their teams. And people are always like, RBI, that's a product of your lineup and where you're batting in the lineup and who's protecting you, who's in front of you, who's behind you. Yes, some of that is true. But also, a guy like J.D. Martinez, it does not matter what lineup he's in. He's always come through in the clutch. Some dudes are just better when they know their team needs a run. I think J.D. Martinez and Justin Turner are two guys like that. And I would absolutely love to add those sluggers in the middle of the D-backs lineup. Now we'll talk about which NL West team could give the D-backs the biggest problems this free agency. But did you know? Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Let's talk about if the D-backs should worry about any NOS team being a big dark horse and messing up their plans this free agency because when you look at that starting pitching market, like it's pretty oversaturated with teams all vying for like the same kind of players because I just think the starting rotation market is a little bit weaker than years past, so it's just driving up the the price tag for all these free agents. And I want to know which NL West team could be the 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 team that drives up the price tag for inflation for the D-backs, or maybe they snipe a free agent or two from the D-backs this offseason. So I actually want to talk and go through each team and talk about which team can give the D-backs the biggest problem this offseason, because... I think number one is definitely the LA Dodgers. Like, I don't think they're a dark horse at all. The Dodgers are in on all these free agents. They're going to go after Shohei Otani. They're going to go after Yamamoto. They might sniff around the Mike Trout market. Like, the Dodgers should do that. They're a big market. They're in LA. Championship or bust every year for them. A lot of revenue, a lot of money coming in. Like, there's no reason a team like the Dodgers shouldn't be doing everything in their power to spend a lot of money and put the best product on the field year after year. They, of course, have a great core. It looks like Mookie Betts is going to be moving to second base, so that's only going to make the outfield market that much tougher for a team like the D-backs. So I think the Dodgers, we know they're going to be an issue for the D-backs. They're probably going to be the biggest thorn in the D-backs side because the Dodgers like the D-backs. You left last season thinking, you know what? The biggest need for the Dodgers this offseason is probably the rotation, just like the D-backs. Kershaw's getting older. Urias is gone. Bueller's coming off the Tommy John. Gonsolin's hurt. Uh, Mays always hurt. 
I do like Bobby Miller, but a lot of question marks in that Dodgers rotation. So we know those two teams are definitely going to be vying for starters in their rotation. But hopefully the Dodgers spend way too much money. I mean, I was going to say, hopefully they spend way too much money on Shohei Otani. Can't add to that rotation. But uh, as I said out loud, I was like, is that a better scenario? The Dodgers adding Otani so the D-backs could get Jordan Montgomery? Uh, I probably don't want to live in that world. I'd much rather... Dodgers signed Jordan Montgomery and the D-backs sign nobody. Then the D-backs get Montgomery and then the, and then the Dodgers get Otani. I just can't see Otani in Dodgers blue. I, I would rather not the D-backs. <laughs> I would take the D-backs not signing any free agents if it means Otani doesn't go to the Dodgers either. I would be happy if both things have have to happen for both things to be true. And I don't know if it will happen because Otani has definitely spoken to the Dodgers. Dave Roberts has confirmed that. So hopefully he doesn't go to L.A. Hopefully there's another NOS team he likes. Hopefully he likes sand and the desert and dirt. But it doesn't look like Otani's coming to the D-backs. I just pray he doesn't go to the Dodgers. How about the Padres? I don't think there will actually be a big thorn in the D-back side this offseason. They're always could be considered as a dark a dark horse team in free agency because AJ Preller super aggressive. The Padres have been one of the most aggressive teams in baseball over the last couple of years. Of course, they could go out there and try to potentially sign or trade for someone, but I just don't know where where they will get the money from. A lot of their books is already locked up. They're actually trying to unload Juan Soto right now because all the talk has been not if but when Juan Soto will get traded from the Padres because. They just don't have the money, apparently, to pay him. They were taking out small loans to just pay their current payroll right now. And so I don't understand why the Padres even traded for Juan Soto if they weren't going to give him a massive extension. Why did you trade all the prospects in your system for Juan Soto? Like, are you going to flip him again and get the same package they just got back? Probably not. So just don't understand at all what the Padres are doing. So that's why I'm like, I don't think they're going to be a big issue for the D-backs this year in terms of going after the same free agents because I think the Padres have a lot of bus, a lot of behind the scenes issues right now with in terms of how they want to build that payroll in terms of who they want to keep and who they want to let go like Bogarts he's got another decade on that deal Darvish and Musgrove are locked up for the next few years. Juan Soto wants a mega extension, so I think there's a lot of issues for the Padres behind the scenes that. <clears throat> behind the scenes that they have to work out uh, with their front office. The San Francisco Giants, I do think they're a potential dark horse team because if any team wants to add talent that's on the same price tag that the D-backs are probably on, it probably will be the Giants because the Giants are a team that never spends big money. We thought they were going to spend big money on Carlos Correa last offseason. Of course, they looked at the medical record. They were like, ah, you know what? Maybe we're good on this. I don't see the Giants getting Otani or Yamamoto. I think they'll be interested. I think they'll be rumored to, but seeing the Giants offer someone over $300 million, I just don't think the Giants will actually sign a free agent that expensive. Then also, even if they're going after these free agents, if the D-backs are also going after them, yes, the, the past decade plus will tell you the Giants are the better organization, but the D-backs are coming off that incredible postseason run. They got this young core. They got money to spend. This is a growing franchise and fan base. The D-backs have a lot of appeal right now. I think the Giants 
are farther away from getting to the World Series than just signing a free agent or two. Even if the Giants signed Otani or Yamamoto, they're still, I think, going to be at best a third place team in the NL West next year. So I don't think the Giants, I think the Giants are going to add talent this year, but I don't think they're going to add the Otanis and the Yamamotos. I think they had to, I think they need to add more complimentary pieces right now and then hopefully add a big fish in a year or two. And then the Colorado Rockies, we talked with Paul Holden of Lockdown Rockies yesterday. I love the Rockies. I don't consider them a rival, but they are not going to do anything this offseason. Signing Chris Bryant was an awful deal. If I'm the Rockies, I am just shedding salary, salary dumping players left and right for whatever I can get. Just build around the dudes you like. Tovar seems good. Uh, Paul Holden put me on to Nolan Jones. That dude looks like a future superstar. Ryan McMahon I still like. So build around those pieces. Salary dump your guys. Uh, and, and just build around the core that you have. Start adding complementary pieces over the next couple years. Rebuild through the draft, uh, you know, maybe a little bit. Go get out. Go out there and get some young talent to go with the current young talent that you have and just trade any aging veterans that you have on expiring deals because there's just there's just no reason to keep them. Just get what you can for them if you're the Colorado Rockies. So when looking at the NL West, the Rockies don't scare me. They're not going to do anything. The Giants, I think they'll talk a big game, but I don't think they'll actually do anything. The Padres, they got big money issues. And then the Dodgers are, of course, the scariest team in the NL West, but Honestly, they're playing on a different playing field than the D-backs in terms of money. So we might not even be looking at the same free agents because of the kind of money they can spend versus the D-backs. So honestly, when looking at the NLS, I'm not scared of any of these teams for the free agents that the D-backs want to go after this offseason. Now that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. We'll be talking if any big signings or trades go down for the D-backs tomorrow. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Doses.